to the Joshua Ball podcast. The holidays are in full swing. It is Thanksgiving week. We hope you all are enjoying time with family, staying safe while you travel, eating some great food, of course, and starting to get ready for Christmas. It's right around the corner. Um, The holidays are definitely my favorite time of the year. Just all of the camaraderie and hanging out with people and eating some good food is always top on my list. And so (laughs) today, if you want to get started on this podcast and I want to start with a little backstory. Um, Last year, my pastor, he employed, and I use that word specifically employed, and you'll see the reason why in just a second, but he employed us, us being um, the leaders, the men in his Sunday morning leadership class. He employed us to read this book by Eugene H. Patterson, the translator of the Message Bible. Uh, The name of the book is entitled Leap Over a Wall. And what this book is about is the life of King David. For a lot of people, he is their favorite Bible character, next to Jesus, of course. But, uh, (laughs) But this book was a phenomenal read for me. I definitely recommend if you're a book reader and if you're not a book reader, I recommend anyway that you go and pick up this book because it was very, very good. It started out kind of slow, the first chapter or so, but it really gets really interesting as we go along in the book. But one of the chapters in the book was simply entitled work and It contrasts the difference between David and Saul, how how Saul and David were different kings, were different type of kings, how Saul was focused on the work, whereas David was focused on the work and the worship. But it also talks about God in a different perspective that I hadn't thought of before. So I want to read a little bit of an insert from this chapter. Again, the name of this book is Leap Over a Wall by Eugene Patterson. And what it says is, what we're after is a seamless world of work and worship, worship and work. Only God is sovereign. Our work is derivative from God, the worker. God is first presented to us in our scriptures as a worker, a maker. In the beginning, God went to work. A six-day work week concluding in worship frames the entire spirituality of creation with God in the role of worker. In the second creation story, man and woman are placed in the garden as workers, employed at tasks assigned by their maker. Work is the primary context for our spirituality. Most children's play is practice for adult work. We play our way into adult work. Our games are apprenticeships. The spiritual life begins, seriously begins, when we get a job and go to work. Work is our spirit-anointed participation in God's work. (laughs) I must apologize to you guys. I totally mispronounced the author's name. His name is Eugene Peterson. (laughs) Not Patterson. (laughs) 
I'm laughing because I said his name wrong twice. Um, <laughs> I turned the book back over and I read the name again. I'm like, what in the world? Anyway, so Eugene Peterson is the author of Leap Over Wall. And from this insert we just read um, about work and about participating in work. The last part of that insert again says work is our spirit anointed participation in God's work. So a lot of people are blaming COVID-19 and it probably does have a lot to do with it, but it's not the only reason. But we're seeing in our world today where people just don't want to go to work. Yeah, covid probably has a lot to do with it but I remember when it was the height of the, the pandemic and people were getting laid off and this that and the other and the unemployment payout was <laughs> was higher than it had ever been and I seen people you know like I said be laid off be fired or whatever but I also seen people take advantage of the new of this unemployment rate and they actually would quit their jobs just so they could go home and draw this unemployment because of that i believe there was a there was just a mindset of laziness that really set in on our country i've heard of restaurants and businesses and People that have been been serving their community for years and years have to shut their establishments down because people simply don't want to come to work. Uh, my friend and I, we were in a nearby town a couple weeks ago, and we went into this coffee shop where uh, the owner of the coffee shop, he actually has two locations, and he's the only one that works both locations simply because he cannot find anyone that wants to come to work and be on time and show up and actually do the job. Unfortunately, this is the reality that we're finding ourselves right now in our country and maybe even worldwide. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Australia or Europe or whatever, but I know here in this country it is a, a very prevalent issue but here in our Bibles, here in this text from Brother Peterson, <laughs> I did it again, Brother, oh, I said it right, no, no, Peterson, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get it together soon. Uh, but here we see that Brother Peterson points out that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. So in the beginning, God is first presented to us as a worker. And if we continue in Genesis, after he creates Adam, after he breathes breath into his nostrils, what does he then do? He then puts Adam to work. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 says, And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then in verse 15, it says, And the Lord took the man and put him into the gardens of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So foundationally, in the beginning, 
before sin enters the world, the first thing we see God do is work. And the first thing we see God do with the man he just created is put him to work. So foundationally, at the root of it all, work was intended by God. Work is important to God. Work is what links us to God in every aspect of life. Another insert from the book, it says that when Jesus stood up in the Nazarene synagogue to announce that he was that he was going to work and how he was going to go about it, he said, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Luke 4 and 18. In our biblical text, being anointed means being given a job by God. It means employment. We're told, in effect, that there's a job to be done and that we're assigned to do it and that we can do it. Anointing connects our work with God's work. Anointing is the sacramental connection linking God's work with our work. God is a worker, a maker. God does things. He is, of course, but he also acts. And it's in his acts that we know who he is. I thought that statement was very powerful when it says that he is, of course, but he also acts. And I've seen here lately where people, I don't want to say all people, but some people, they just want to exist. The text just now say that God is, or it's saying that God exists. And we all exist. If we're here, if we're breathing breath, and we exist like God exists. But it says he also does. He also acts. And if God exists and he acts and he put us here to do the same, to do exactly what he does, then that means that we're not here to just exist. We're not here to just sit on our do-nothings every day, all day, and let someone else take care of us, let someone else figure out how things are going to happen for us. We're here to take action. We're here to do what God has placed us to do, and that's to work. Now, each person might have a different assignment. Each person has a different type of work that they are called to do by God. But no one on this earth is here to simply exist. There must be work that is being done. There must be assignments that are being completed. There must be things that we're working towards that God has given us specifically to do. And the work doesn't stop. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, And the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was his name. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to, to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. And so he went, God took Adam from assignment to assignment, from job to job, from this type of work to that type of work. First, he was to to till the ground and dress the garden. Now he's to to um, name every beast of the field. And then even after that, after sin enters the world, he makes the work harder 
because of sin. But then God instructs Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And so I want to tell somebody right now, maybe life isn't as fulfilling as you imagined. Maybe things aren't going according to plan. Maybe life just seems dull and there's nothing to be thankful for. And to the person feeling like that, I want to say, I want to ask the question, how much work are you putting into life? How much effort? How much how much energy? Maybe the antidepressant medication or the anxiety medication is not what's needed. Maybe it's just simply we need to put in the work. What are the assignments? What is the job? What is the purpose that God has established in our lives? And more importantly, are we putting in the work to see those assignments completed, to see those purposes fulfilled? I want to tell someone that work is the only way that we will achieve fulfillment in this life. It Work is foundational. God established it from the beginning. God is a worker, and he expects us to be like him, so he expects us to be workers. So ask yourself the question, am I putting in the work? Because I promise you, if work, if effort and energy is put into something, and especially is putting to put into what God has assigned us to do, I promise you fulfillment follows. We must take what we've been given and do as much with it as we can. It's true that some people have been given a, a mud pit where other people have been given a nice golf course. But the question really becomes, what am I doing with what I've been given? Maybe someone has been tasked with planting a garden and they only have a shovel to get started or as someone else might be tasked with that same assignment and they have a bulldozer a backhoe um, every every piece of machinery you can think of to start their garden the tools do make the difference but the task is still the same and work is still required. No matter how we start, no matter what we start with, we all have the capability to do the work that we've been tasked and do it efficiently and effectively, but we must be willing to put in the energy and the effort. definitely a sense of dignity or honor and respect we receive when we're doing good work or when we're doing a good job we receive satisfaction from that in my adult working career I've had a, a few jobs and I took pride 
in those jobs in the past. Um, I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to do good work. But for me, more often than not, there was always this this element of unfulfillment that would just I don't want to say it over that it would overtake me, but it would just be so prevalent and so present. And then I heard of this idea or this framework that we can become good at doing the wrong thing. And when I first heard that, it kind of, it took me back just a little bit because it made me question everything, which again goes back to one of the foundational um, principles we talked about in the second episode, being aware. It made me question what I was doing, what job I was doing, who I was working for, why was I working there? It made me question all these things because it's very easy to become good at doing the wrong thing. Especially if we've been conditioned, if we've been trained, if we've been told all if we've been told all of our lives that you need to do this, we need to do that. We you can't become successful without this. And that goes back to the extremes we talked about also. Um, And so I ask myself, am I good at doing the wrong thing? And if so, is that the reason why I feel this overwhelming unfulfillment everywhere I go? And there might be something we need to ask ourselves is what I'm doing is it, is it fulfilling and is what I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing or am I good at doing the wrong thing? But those questions become scary because the element of, well, this is what I've been doing. This is what my livelihood consists of. And yeah, those Those are scary questions. Those can bring out possible scary outcomes if the decision to transition to something else is made. But here's the thing. Life is short. We only have one life to live on this earth. The next life will be either with Jesus in heaven or in the lake of fire. But for the time that we have here, We have to make the most of it because life is too short to live this unfulfilling, average, everyday, run-of-the-mill life, especially because we've been called for so much more, especially because Jesus, Jesus has put something in us to draw us out of this world and then like i've said so many times before be a beacon to this world that will then draw other people to him through us but those things don't happen if we're doing what everyone else does if we just like everyone else we're just at a job doing a good job doing good work and it be meaningless in the end.
a moment ago I said that, you know, we've been conditioned and we've been trained to become automatons. You know, that was one of the things we talked about in the last episode, being an automaton. And I follow this guy. <laughs> when I do get on Instagram, I look at his stuff. Um, his name is Curran Ray. And um, he was talking about the modern school system, how in its inception, what its its um, its purpose was. And he stated that when the modern school system was created, it was to act as a babysitting outlet so people could go to work in the mills. They could go and work all day and their children be in school and be fed and all this, that, and the other. But it also done something else. It, the school system, the people running the school system realized, hey, we can also use this as an advantage to us and train the next generation and future generations to also go into our our businesses and our meals and factories and work for us as well. So basically the school system has built its own workforce for however many years it's been established. And there may be some thinking that, well, what's wrong with that? They've given future generations an outlet to to live and to I don't know be established themselves in life and to me that's an extreme because if we look at society as a whole and then we look at the individual well not everyone's meant to go to college and work a nine-to-five job their whole life not everybody's meant to, you know, <laughs> own a home and all this, that, and the other. All the things that society tries to put on us. All Everything is not for everybody. That's an extreme. And we want to eliminate extremes. So instead, what the school system doesn't allow for is free thinking, And what I mean by free thinking is specifically the modern school system, excuse me, the modern, the modern school system is not geared towards entrepreneurship. If anything, it's (laughs) from kindergarten all the way to graduation of high school. It's all based on the grade. Did you do a good job? Did you do good work? Not what is what is an alternative to what you're doing now it doesn't allow room for creativity that's basically what i'm trying to say and our god is a creator and he created us to create how can we create if our mindset is strictly focused on doing a good job for someone else who has created something. Now, I'm not saying that everyone, I'm not saying that everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Everyone has to create something new, but 
if we want to be like God in the capacity that he wants us to be like him, I believe that a certain element of being a creator is a part of that. And I think that our modern school system tries to eliminate that because if <laughs> the own the family owned company of 50 years loses all of their workforce, then that family owned company is going to be non-existent. Just like we're seeing with the aftermath of the pandemic. And, you know, I think that's intentional. Um, I think that God allowed two things to go on here with this pandemic. He allowed the workforce to be threatened. And he also is showing what society will do if there's an opportunity to not work and still have everything. What will we do as a society? Well, I don't want to say that all of the evidence is in because it's still too early to tell, but just looking at the trend of where we're going right now and where we're at the automatons are being awakened some people out doing things that past generations didn't do you know some people are skipping college altogether some people are strictly investing some people are starting those business businesses that you know they've been wanting to start and it's disruptive. It's disruptive of this automaton mentality. And in the result, we're seeing businesses shut down. We're seeing people move to a new normal. And some might agree with it. I'm sure most do not agree with it because it goes against what we've done and what we've defined as success in this country. And more so, what we've said is the roadmap to success in this country. But if we look at statistics, if we look at the numbers, there's one thing about numbers, and this is true in most cases, and that's only if no one has tampered with the numbers, is that numbers don't lie. Numbers have no emotion. Numbers have no feelings. Numbers only report what numbers will report and that's the truth in most cases like i said unless the numbers have been tampered with but the number two source of income for america is student debt and at first i wanted to be shocked by that fact but then i was like no that really makes sense because if <laughs> i want to put in a system that benefits me the most and I want to create a <laughs> if I wanted to create a legion of people that blindly follows the roadmap that I put in place and as a country I get the most benefit from it or some of the benef most of the benefit from it then I'm going to put a system in place where I create automatons and hopefully they follow this roadmap forever <laughs> or at least until someone realizes they are in a endless loop that mostly benefits someone else. 
The second thing I believe that has happened, that God has allowed to happen, is a threat on the workforce just in general. And this goes along with the the automatons being awakened, so to speak. But it also goes back to society as a whole challenging the validity of the Bible and its principles. Society has challenged what the Bible says is the right way to be married. Society has challenged what the Bible says about women's rights. And, oh, now the Bible is racist and this, that, and the other. Well, now it's also challenging what the Bible says about work. That's another thing it's challenging now that the Bible establishes as good and right and what we should be doing. Because work was established even before sin entered the world. God said that work is good. And because because he's allowed the he's allowed this attack on work to exist to persist even more so um we're we're seeing we're seeing the people who want to be lazy be lazy and we're seeing the people that want to do what god has asked do what god has asked we've seen people who want to be responsible be responsible we've seen we've just seen the outcome of, or we're seeing the trend of a possible outcome of what this of what has been allowed to happen. And you know, some people don't see what can be true unless life happens. Unless the evidence is undeniable. And does that go back to justification? Eh, probably. Does it go back to following the unwritten rules of society? Probably. Does it go back to, you know, our cognitive bias? What we say or what we think in our mind is right based off of our experiences? Probably. And in order for God to shake us up, we have to sometimes go through traumatic experiences. We have to go through the fire. We have to go through the storm. And it's the only way that God can wake us up and say, hey, your mindset, the, the framework, whatever it is that we've thought to be true for so long, he has to shake us out of that and say, hey, that's not true. Here's more to the story. Here's more to the story that you've left off from the story that you've told yourself. God has a reason for everything that he does. He doesn't do anything haphazard. He doesn't do anything by accident. It's all by design. And this attack on work, I believe it's by design. And he's asking, I believe he's asking the question, will you still do what I called you to do even when you have the option not to do it? Wow. Will you still do what you've been called to do even when you have the option not to do it? And that is just a testament of of love. We can say, God, I love you. 
but we have the option not to love God. And if we still choose the option to love God and to keep his commandments, his statutes, that shows the love that we have for God because we have the option not to. And that's that's very, very powerful. And I'm pretty sure that goes back to Revelation 4 and 11. That's what gives God pleasure. It it goes back to why we were created. And that is the most fulfilling thing I think that we can try to achieve in this life. And so just ask the questions. Is what I'm working towards, is it fulfilling? Or am I just good at doing the wrong thing? Thanksgiving 2022. We hope it was a great day for you guys. My family and I, we traveled to South Louisiana to visit my wife's parents and uh, her brothers and niece and nephews. It was a great time. We had some great food. And then we got on the road yesterday evening and drove back to where we live in central Louisiana. And we hung out with my family <laughs> until about 10 30 last night and um this is with our nine month old <laughs> so it was a full day ate some great food spent a lot of time with family it was a great time thanksgiving is always one of my favorite times in the year because it's a day to really stop and reflect on the many blessings trials and tribulations that we go through in life and I put all of those in the same category because all three are meant to be grateful for to give thanks for um brother Josh Herring he preaches a message where he talks about the four channels of prayer and they are prayer supplication thanksgiving and intercession and he talks about how the channel of thanksgiving is wildly underused, but it is a channel that God mostly responds to. It attracts God when we are praying and we're just thanking him for for life and for our blessings and for the breath in our lungs and for the world still spinning and the, the sun still shining and he is attracted to our prayers when we're just simply thanking him. And so Thanksgiving shouldn't be just a day or a month where we're thankful, but it should be a a daily a daily thing that we're thanking God for our many blessings and for just the things in life that happen that seem to that seem to knock us off our course or derail us so to speak, but God uses it all. Like I said earlier, he's not caught by surprise. He does nothing haphazard. It's all by design. So what are some ways that we can incorporate a discipline, so to speak, in our lives to where we're stopping to 
just be reminded of the many things that we are grateful for in our life. Um, very early on in my apostolic walk, um, my mom came across um, a book or a movie. Some of you might have seen it, some of you might not have, but it's called The Secret. And it's basically talking about the law of attraction. Um, now, <sighs> However you think about this, if you've heard of it, I don't think about it as just this this way of getting everything you want in an instant. And it's the only thing you have to do is just be mindful of the things that we want and then it'll just appear in our life. No, like I said, this this episode is about work. So I believe the law of attraction has some mindfulness to do with it. But there also has to be action applied, energy, energy and action applied. But anyway, there was a section in the movie um, where they were talking about gratitude, which is Thanksgiving. And this guy, I forget who it was. It's been years since I've seen this. Um, but this guy, he um, he I'm trying to remember how the story goes off the top of my head. But the story goes where he. He has these rocks, and they're special rock. I mean, not really special, but it's just something that he put some effort into to go down to his like his creek or whatever that was in his town and pick out like these pretty rocks. And what he would do is, whenever he touched the rock, if he would put the rock in his pocket. And every time he reached in his pocket for, say, his keys or his wallet or however, whatever is in that pocket, a chapstick, whatever, and he touched that rock, it would be a reminder to stop in that moment and say, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my vehicle. Thank you for my family. Whatever in that moment he's thankful for, it would just, it would be a reminder when he touched that rock to stop and say, thank you. And I. I think that is a phenomenal practice that we should incorporate as the children and the people of God. Now, I'm not saying it has. He called it a gratitude rock. Now, I'm not saying we have to walk around with a rock in our pocket. But um, what is something that you touch on a daily basis? Something you touch very, very often. And what could you use in that moment? When you touch it to stop, instantly stop, make a, a mental note in your brain to say, OK, I'm touching this. This is a moment to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your name. Thank you for your blood. Um, and just be um, be a moment to be grateful. Um, I think I I have incorporated this in my life and just the phenomenal things that come into have that came into my life because of this practice I can't even put into words um random things um I've gotten random raises on jobs I've um you know just just little things and you know the little things ultimately uh culminate into big things and stuff and so and I believe it's because when we adopt an attitude of gratitude, sincere gratitude, Jesus is like, you know, 
he's so thankful. They're so thankful for that. How much more do I want to open the windows of heaven and push more out on them that they can receive into their storehouses? And because I know they're going to be grateful for it. You know, if we're grateful for the little things, we'll be grateful for the big things that God puts into our lives. And I also said that um, we want to be grateful for the trials and the tribulations because, um, like I said, I was on Instagram. I was listening to this guy, Curran Ray, and he was counseling this lady who was mugged at an ATM with an axe. <laughs> it sounds crazy, right? But um, because of this incident, she developed she developed um, PTSD and he was working with her and he made a statement that, you know, when we're grieving, how it's so important to just breathe, to just inhale and to exhale, inhale and exhale, because what grief, unresolved grief turns into energy and that that energy, if we don't breathe, we kind of hold it in, you know, we kind of hold our breath in, in intense moments and that grief, it kind of, it gets stored as energy in our tissue and then it later becomes depression if it does if it isn't dealt with. So uh, he was telling her, just breathe, just breathe, inhale, exhale, just breathe. And then once, you know, she was kind of settled and they started dealing with the psychology of it, he began to ask her, you know, what it, what was the benefit? What are the benefits from this situation? How, how has this situation made you better? And over and over, he just kept asking, what was the benefit? What was the benefit? What was the benefit of this experience you've had and finally when she began to really think deeply and assess each of the frames that she could remember frame by frame each second each moment and then how her life transpired after that to the moment she's in now she was able to find 65 benefits of her going through the experience of being mugged with an axe at an ATM. 65 beneficial things that has, that happened to her because of that traumatic in experience. And by the end of the counseling session, she, she told him that she would never want to give away that experience of being mugged with an axe at an ATM because of all the benefits that her life now has because of it. And I want to tell someone that trauma, that things that just happen out of nowhere in life, um, tragedy, everything can be used as a benefit. And if we deal with grief properly and if we do the work to try to find the things in our life to be thankful for. We will find benefits to every experience in life that we didn't know was there before, simply because we've taken the time to be thankful for it. Um, this year for me, um, life has definitely been a roller coaster. Um, as I said in the first episode, we welcomed our son, Joshua Ryland, into the world in February. And um, three months later, I lost my dad to cancer. Um, so in th three months time, I've experienced the, the joy of, of life and birth. And I've also experienced the grief of death. 
And when my dad first passed away, I, I asked God, I just said, God, help me to to grieve this, to deal with this grief properly. And um, I can't say that I have dealt with it properly, but after watching this video, you know, uh, it might seem hard to say that. How can you look at your dad's death as a benefit? What are the benefits? How can you ask that question? Because my dad and I, we were really close. Um, we were really, really close. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes it's still hard, but, you know, just really pushing through that that moment of wanting to hold in the grief and breathe and then asking the question, what was the, what are some benefits of him passing? Um, you know, there, the memories, I can remember my dad's laugh. I can remember him telling the same story five times. <laughs> the benefit of thinking of his passing is remembering the experiences experiences other people won't have experiences other people didn't get to have hearing the jokes and knowing about him knowing about different aspects of his character and his personality that most other people will never know those are some of the benefits um you know he has he has, he worked, he, I'm sorry, he worked um, for 50 years for a company and um, fresh out of high school and because of that, there has definitely been a benefit financially for me and my siblings and, you know, it is a benefit. I would rather have my dad here. But that is one of the benefits that um, that he left behind for us. It's a legacy and, a, and an inheritance. Um, and one thing I'm also grateful for is that he got to meet Joshua Ryland before he passed. Um, we got to take pictures with him holding Joshua. And those are benefits that we have to look upon the touch and when in the future when my son asked you know what was what was your dad like I can tell him those stories I can I can tell him and relate to him in a way that he might be able to know his dad his grandfather like I knew my dad and stuff so I just want to let someone know there's a benefit to every experience in life and if we use the channel of thanksgiving if we can if we can come up with a way to have a gratitude rock in our life in some aspect i totally believe that we can start to see life with as much thankfulness and gratitude as possible so as we're wrapping up this episode um Let's go into our churches this Sunday and enter into his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. 
So if we can go into his house with thankfulness and praise and gladness, I believe he will be attracted to our church services and he will then move like none other because we have activated and entered into the channel of thanksgiving which like brother josh herring said is widely underused but it it attracts god like no other channel will with a with a quickness and a a fervency like no other channel of prayer will so let's go have dynamic church this sunday let's baptize someone in jesus name let's see someone get filled with the holy spirit And above all, let's go and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our God and our King, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Have a great weekend and we will see you next week.